I want us to take just a few minutes and I want us to respond to what we've heard this morning. And I want us to ask, answer the question, who cares? Who cares? Why should Fellowship Bible Church care at all about people far from here? Furthermore, why should Fellowship Bible Church care about orphans? Why should we care about outcasts? Why should we care about broken people? Why should we support an orphanage in Malawi? Why should we encourage and support an orphanage in Honduras? Why should we give to humanitarian aid in Croatia? Why do we do this? Do you understand why? And what does it really matter? Will we ever make a dent? If you've been watching television, you know that the casualty list is growing. It's not diminishing. You know that we'll never keep up with Haiti and Chile to speak of just two spots right now, broken from earthquakes, what can we do? What kind of mindset should we have? I'd like us in just the few minutes we have left to do two things. I would like us to do a brief survey of God's Word concerning this matter of God's view of orphans, outcasts, widows, and needy people that we might think biblically that we would think biblically about this. And secondly, I want us to just summarize a few thoughts at the end of our time, a few minutes from now, that we would challenge ourselves to live generously. Can we do that? James chapter 1 sums up uh, one principle from God's Word. I'm going to just challenge us to take a few minutes and just flip in our Bible and look at a few different verses First of all, I want you to see that when James describes for us what true and pure religion in the eyes of God looks like, he defines it as those who minister to orphans and widows. I want to make a clear distinction. I want to be careful as as James uses the word religion in this passage that he is summarizing the practical outworking of our faith in Jesus Christ. You've heard me say before, if you've been around here before, that there is a difference between religion and Christianity. Religion is what people do to try to please God to get into heaven. Christianity is what God did through Christ to reach sinful people to resolve their sin issues so that they could be redeemed, born again, have their sin forgiven, have the righteousness of Christ appropriated for them, enter His family, and therefore have heaven by no merit of their own. As a result of what God has done for us, we then do good works. Religion does good works so that I can please God. A Christian does good works because of what God has done for me. It's the natural outworking of my faith in Christ. And so when James uses the word religion here, don't, don't be deceived by the fact that this is somehow an, an, a way that you can do this and it will please God in a meritorious way, in a way of works that God would let you into heaven. You can go to every orphanage on the face of the earth. You can give away all your money. Paul said you can give your body to be burned if you want. And it really amounts to nothing. Look what James says. Start with verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. And notice how he defines pure religion. 
James defines pure religion, that is the outworking of our faith in Christ and the righteousness of Christ outworking in us as to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me ask you a question. At any level in your life, are you involved with orphans, widows, outcasts, or broken people? Just think about that right now. At any level in your life right now, are you involved with orphans, widows, outcasts, or broken people? You might be amazed to know how near the heart of God orphans, widows, outcasts, and broken people are. My challenge to us in these final few minutes, just uh, thinking about these beautiful children in Honduras and the great work that's going on there that Matt and the team have reminded us of, is that we must have, as an integral part of our ministry here, ongoing outpouring of of the love of Christ and the resources that God has blessed us with to orphans, widows, outcasts, broken people. Pure religion is defined by it. The very outworking of our faith in Christ demands that we reach out to those who are in need. Let's take our Bibles and let's turn to the Old Testament for a minute. Turn to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 13. Turn to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 13. Right about in the middle of your Bible, you'll find the book of Psalms and then go to your right and you'll find the book of Proverbs. If you're new to us, be sure and bring your Bible if you have one. If not, we'd be happy to help you find one. Proverbs chapter 21. We study the Bible at Fellowship Bible Church. Proverbs chapter 21. Look at verse 13. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. If a man closes his ears to the cry of the poor, there will come a day when you will cry out and you'll not be heard. Let's turn to Isaiah. Keep turning to your right to the major prophet Isaiah chapter 10. Look what he says in the first couple of verses of Isaiah chapter 10. He says, Woe to those, Isaiah 10 verses 1 and 2. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. Just an a note of indication of God's heart for the fatherless, for widows, for the poor and the oppressed. Not only is, an, is this part of a defining a pure religion, but number two, recognize that God promises punishment to those who mess with these people. Look what he says in Isaiah here. He says, woe, woe to you. Do not tamper with these people in any kind of an unjust manner. I want to tell you that there are despots and dictators around this world who will burn in the hottest part of hell for what they have done to oppress the poor people, the orphans and the widows in their countries, and the abuses that have gone on. The heart of God is touched by the widow and the orphan. Don't you dare tamper with them. Building on that... God has even planned for provision. Number three, God plans provision for the orphan and the widow. An example of this is found in the book of Deuteronomy. Turn there with me, please. In the book of Deuteronomy, and in a sense, you can think of God setting up 
the rules or the standards for his people, Israel. And he says, and this is in a sense uh, under a theophany, this, or not a theophany, but a theocracy, excuse me, a theocracy, how Israel started out. They were led, say, by Moses out of the wilderness into the promised land. And then God said, I'll be your king. I'll be your leader. You remember it was some time later that they finally said, you know, we look around and everybody else has a king. Everybody else has princes and a, and a palace and a state headquarters. We want one of those. We don't just want a temple where there's a Shekinah glory and God visits us and the prophets give the word of God and direction to our country. God warns them and says, you don't want a king. King's going to marry your daughters, tax your land, send your sons off to war. No, 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 no. We want a king. God says, you don't want that. Yes, 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 we do. Finally, God said, okay, I'll give it to you. And from then on, what happened? He marries their daughters, taxes their land, and sends their sons off to war. God said, what's wrong with me that I'm not a good enough leader? And so you can kind of think of this mindset in Deuteronomy when God is revealing to Moses, okay, here's the rules for my people. When I'm running the country, this is the way it's going to go. This is the way you're supposed to do it. And in Deuteronomy, look at verse 24, verse 19, for example. Deuteronomy, I don't know if I already told you a verse. Excuse me if I did in my haste. But Deuteronomy chapter 24, look at verse 19, for example. Direct rule from God himself to watch out for the orphans, the oppressed, the outcast. Deuteronomy 24, 19. When you are harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. God is providing for those who have need. Practical, everyday need just to eat food. When I was in high school, I worked on a dairy farm in Michigan. And uh, those were great days for me. And the Lord used them in formative ways in my life. And I would even skip school and spend all day on a John Deere tractor underneath the blazing sun. And uh, we would be mowing hay, for example. And some of you can picture this, can't you? And, and the way a hay bind sticks out from that tractor, and I would mow around the first time. And uh, sometimes in the corners of the field, you just couldn't get in the corners. Sometimes that summer, a, a tree had come out, a big oak tree branch or something, and you'd have to swing out. Or, or even the combine, when he was harvesting grain, he couldn't get in the corners. Or he couldn't. And God says, when you harvest, even though they did it by hand, when you drop things, your corners... Your fence, leave it, leave it. And let the alien, let the stranger, let the oppressed one, let the widows, let the orphans come and have something to eat. I need to provide for them. You can look it up later, but if you want to look at Deuteronomy 14.28 or Deuteronomy 26.12, 14.28 and 26.12, you'll see that God further provided for the orphan and the widow. In the very giving of their tithes, they were to leave some for the Levites and they were to leave some of of their surpluses for the orphan and the widow. God defines pure religion as our interfacing in, an, in generosity with orphans and widows. God promises punishment to those who oppress the poor. God planned for provision for the homeless and for the widows and the orphans. 
Look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. I love this verse. Fourthly, I want to tell you that God promises blessing to those who aid the poor. Back to Proverbs. And we're almost done with this little Bible study. Proverbs chapter 21, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17. God promises blessing to those who aid the poor. Proverbs 19, 17. Look what he says. You ought to underline this in your Bible if you haven't already. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and will reward him for what he has done. Don't you love that verse? He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. I like that. Reality is that God knows who the orphans and the widows are. God knows who is needy. And when you give to them and when you are kind to them, it is the same as if you are lending to the Lord. Reminds us of the New Testament passage, doesn't it? Where Jesus said, even as you give a cup of cold water to this one, you're doing it as unto me. God promises blessing. You could look up 22.9 of Proverbs, 28.27 of Proverbs, 14.31 of Proverbs. Same thing. God promises blessing to those who aid the poor. And then one more here, one more before we turn to the New Testament on a verse. Psalm 68. Will you turn to Psalm 68, verse 5? There's a great concept here as well. And this is a repeated concept in the Word of God as well. Psalm 68, verse 5. Look what he says. Psalm 68, 5. I will be a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows, God says. That is a profound statement. God says, I notice widows in need and I notice orphans and I will be a father to the fatherless. That is a great reality, isn't it? God has a heart for orphans. God has a heart for needy people. If we're going to think biblically, we've got to understand that our faith in Christ needs to manifest itself out in a pure religion that cares for the needy and the broken and the orphan and the widow. We need to know that God promises punishment to those who abuse these people. That God planned for provision. He wants His people to provide for them. He promises blessing to those who aid the poor. He promises parental guidance Himself to them. Let's look at one more verse in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus called for planned hospitality for poor people. I want to show you something. In Luke chapter 14, there's an interesting story. We'll not take time to read it, but we can go right to the point. In Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 12. Jesus is at a house of a Pharisee. He has just healed a man with dropsy in front of them. And then he is given a little parable about humility. And then he says to the host, verse 12 of Luke 14, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Isn't that interesting? 
Jesus called for planned hospitality to needy people. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you have had an orphan, a needy widow, an oppressed person, an outcast of society from some, in some manner, a homeless individual, and fed them at your table? We just don't do that very often, do we? I have a heart that um, the Lord has been working in because I want to tell you that I can get hard-hearted. I have quite a few people who come to me with their hands out, wanting handouts. And I struggle. All right, is this a genuinely needy person? Is what would Jesus' response be to this individual? I also am concerned that we not just care about orphans in Honduras for two weeks at a time, but that we at Fellowship Bible Church live out our faith in such a way that we are doing good works. Now, let me make something clear right now. Will you turn to Matthew chapter 16, please? Matthew chapter 16, and I think this is the last verse you have to turn to this morning. Matthew chapter 16, in verse 26. Let's just read 24. Let's start with 24. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Now listen closely. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's just stop right there. I want to make something clear. I believe in doing social good works. I believe that we need to have a broken heart for orphans around the world. And as God gives us opportunity, and I'll mention a couple in a minute, we need to respond to that. I believe we should continue to send teams to Honduras. I believe we need to be reaching out into our community to, to broken, outcast people. But I want to tell you something. We can give away all the cold cups of water we want, but if we don't share the life-giving, cool drink of water of the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ through the shed blood at the cross, by grace through faith and finding His salvation, what good is it if we buy new suits and Cadillacs for all of them if they lose their soul to hell? You see? You see, we want to minister in an appropriate way. The other side of the coin is this. We are a wealthy and a rich people, aren't we? How many of you remember sitting down at the table, and maybe at our house, when I was a kid growing up, it was liver and sauerkraut. Every once in a while, my mom would fix liver and sauerkraut. I can pretty much eat everything and a whole lot of it, but I don't like either liver or sauerkraut. I even eat cow tongue. I just don't like liver and sauerkraut. And so we'd whine about what was the food on our plate. And where I, when I grew up in my household, you had to eat the food that was on your plate. If not, it was brought there to the next meal. Till you ate it. And we would whine and complain. And you know what your mom would say to you? Did your mom say what my mom has said? They're starving children in Africa who want to have food. They love to have that food. And I would say, put it in a shoebox and mail it to them. 
right? And when you're there and you're eating and you don't like what's on your plate, I'll tell you something else. I don't care hooey about starving kids in Africa. Why? Because we're overfed. We, are, we live lives of abundance. And when we are full to overflowing, it is difficult to relate to those who have nothing. This verse also, Matthew 16, 26, applies to us on the flip side of the coin. We can't just give material goods to somebody because what good is it to them if they lose their soul? Who cares if they're dressed well and have food, if they die and burn in hell, if they're lost for eternity? The flip side of the coin, though, is what good is our houses? What good is our savings account? What good are are all of the wealth that we have accumulated or is all of the wealth that we have accumulated? What good is it to us if we don't use it for eternity? If we don't use it to invest in people that for the gospel's sake, so that like what we just read in Luke chapter 14, 12 through 14, Jesus said, when you have a banquet, don't invite the people that are going to just invite you back to their house. You know how that is? Oh man, we've really got to have so-and-so over to our house because we've been over to their house three times and they've never been to our house. Invite somebody to be at your table to eat who cannot repay you and then Jesus said, I tell you, you will be repaid in the resurrection future in eternity as you lay up treasures in heaven. What good is it if we storehouse everything here but lose our soul? And where's our, how, our heart to take the things with which God has resourced us and turn that into open doors for the gospel? I hope that you'll ponder some of these things today. God has a heart for the oppressed. God has a heart for orphans. God has a heart for widows. Can I close out with just a few thoughts on living generously? As we think biblically... Those are some of the concepts that we want to think about just briefly. But in living generously, what do we do as individuals and churches? What do we do? A couple thoughts that have come to my mind are, first of all, to continue to support missions generously. Stop and think about it. Our missionaries that we support are selected very carefully at Fellowship Bible Church We are particularly interested in people who are involved in reaching people with the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. Their goal is to to communicate the love of Christ and the word of God to people and to plant churches. Evangelism and church planting or those who are supporting that kind of thing. That's particularly important to us. We recognize that there is a broader parameter of individuals in world missions of a support network that also need support to make it all happen. Do you realize, though, that when you support missionaries here and you see our countries represented, that you are also touching the lives of people on the ground, needy people? I referenced Kruno Lubic. Betsy and Kruno Lubic are in Croatia. We support them $500 a month. Kruno, one of Kruno's ministries is to bring in container loads of used clothing, for example, from Europe, from other European states, and bring them down and distribute the the clothing distribution because they have needy people. And then this opens doors for their church to evangelize. Did you hear Stephen and Kirsten say how they're awakened almost every every morning in their home in Chad, Africa? 
The neighbor kids banging the gate, coming for what? At 6 o'clock in the morning. Coming for cool water because they have electricity enough during the night to pump up some water. And they have a little bit of refrigeration. And so the neighbors know it and they come for a cool drink of water. When you put money in the offering plate and you pray and you stand with Stephen and Kirsten, they give cool drinks of water to children in the desert in Chad, Africa. And Kruno Lubick puts clothes on the back of people, poor people in Croatia, in a country that is trying to rebuild from the chaos of war. See? I have been in Love Kapesi's house in Malawi, Africa, in Blantyre, Malawi, Africa. And I say, Love, do you have enough to eat? He said, No, it is very difficult to get food. We are eating one meal a day. And I say, Well, Love, what is this? And he opens the door and there is a storehouse in the middle of his house and it is filled with sacks of grain like being at a granary to get chicken feed. I said, well, what is all this? He said, that is the the maize, that is the cornmeal for the orphanage. Love has 250, 300 orphans he's trying to take care of. I said, well, why don't you get a few scoops of maize out of the bags of corn and feed your family? He said, no, 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 no. The church has bought the corn for the orphans and I put it here so no one steals it. And eats one meal a day. We support love $400 a month. Okay? When you support missions, you're not only supporting Yohani up in the seminary classroom training pastors to go to villages to preach the gospel, but you are feeding orphans. You see? I got a phone call from a man in our church today, and this happens a lot, and I, I don't always know how to interface with it. Pastor Van... It's a guy in our church who's on vacation down in Florida watching spring baseball. He said, Pastor Van, I just wanted to tell you, I went to church this Sunday down here in a big church. And he said, they have a ministry on the ground in Haiti to orphans. We need to support that. Maybe we do. What has God put on your heart? God put Orphanage Emmanuel on the heart of Maddie Jones, and that's impacting our church. One of the things we try to do is screen this through the elders so that we can say, okay, what, what are we supposed to be doing and what are we not supposed to be doing? It's a difficult challenge, isn't it? But living generously means that you are supporting missions and you are giving of your resources so that we can support more missionaries. Do you think it's living generously for Fellowship Bible Church to give, say, Twelve and a half cents on the dollar to missions. I think that's kind of tightwad, don't you think? Don't you think that Fellowship Bible Church should be somewhere up there around 50, 60, 70 cents on the dollar going to the Mackenzies in Africa and love in Malawi? What do we need that we've got to hold back so much money? Well, we've got to have. Yeah. Our kids are bored with their toys. Let's stop buying them. We've got to have a mindset, don't we, here, of of taking care. We have the annual food pantry drive. We had a whole pickup truck load of food that we took down to the food pantry for the needy families in our community to go. A whole pickup truck load. Whoa! At my house, we have a pantry, and I have about a half a pickup load in that pantry by itself. Do you think it's generous for Fellowship Bible Church? And I don't mean to minimize any good thing done in the name of Christ. But don't you think 400 to 500 people could give more than 2,000 pounds of food? 
Don't you think that they should have to tell us at the pantry, what are you guys doing over there? So every Thanksgiving when we collect food, you think we don't have needy families in our community? You're wrong. You say, I'll tell you something, Pastor Van. I don't like giving to them because all them people are needy because they're crackheads. I'll tell you something. You can't tell me any story about crackheads driving you crazy. I've got a bunch of them in my life that I deal with. All right? But you know about those crackheads? Even if they're young men who are addicts and they're broken and they're struggling and they can't overcome their, and they're wasting their paycheck every week, we don't try to enable them. We do everything we can not to enable them. But many of them have a wife and they have children and they're not providing for them. And they go down to the food pantry and get a bag of groceries. So when we collect food, I don't... I think that we corporately should be embarrassed if only one pickup truck can take it to the food pantry next fall or whenever, right? New this summer, I've had on my mind, and I've got to end. I had a whole list of things here to talk about. I was thinking for about a month now about whether or not Fellowship Bible Church is reaching into our community, particularly the poor community particularly the community of fatherless children where mainly mothers are taking care of children and most of the children are relatively underprivileged in the sense that there is not good parenting and many of them are on government support. And there's a lot of that in certain neighborhoods in our community. And so this summer, I talked to my good friend Lonnie Puller and Lonnie and I have been planning as we lift weights and we got it all planned out. We're going to start a new kind of a mini day camp. Say, Pastor Man, we don't need another camp around here. Well, Lonnie and I are going to do it then. It's going to be called Super Saturday. And we're going to go door to door, Apple Tree Gardens and other neighborhoods in Ranson. And we're going to pass out flyers and we're going to invite kids to Super Saturday here at our property. See, this property is not just for our kids. You know that? Okay. And we're going to run the bus and we're going to pick up kids and we're going to need people, big, strong guys to help us that day just to police the grounds. And we're going to load up a bus of kids and we're going to start trying to create a momentum for camp for kids in the neighborhoods to come to our property. You say, Pastor Van, they're going to wreck your property. Then Woody Beto will rebuild it. Okay? You will give more money and Woody will fix it. Won't you? Yep, he will. Okay? We're not going to polish it And take it home to heaven and show it to Jesus. Look how clean we kept everything. We're going to wear it out and bust it up. And maybe somewhere in the middle of our frustrating Super Saturdays, we might see a boy or girl's life changed by Jesus, right? I tell you, if a man can work, he ought to work so that he can eat. I'm not talking about those kinds of situations, but I'm talking about people who for any number of dysfunctional, sinful reasons, they are lesser than we are. Let's have a broken heart. Let's invite them to our banquet table and let's let the Lord pay us back in eternity future. Amen? Let's bow in prayer. Father, um, please help us to bring into perspective our wealth Um, thank you for the generous way and abundant way you have blessed us as Americans because of the wisdom of our forefathers and the great biblical foundation 
that was laid for our work ethic, for our productivity, and the richness with which you have poured out your blessing on the fertile soil of America. And we are abundantly blessed. I also thank you for the many ways that America has helped the needy around the world. Orphanage Emmanuel is a beautiful picture of that, existing because of the generosity of your church in America. Thank you for the role that we can play with Love Capesi, with Kruno Lubick, with Stephen McKenzie, with many others around the world. But Father, will you bring a conviction upon us that time is short, that people matter to you, and that we need to lay out a generous banquet table for the needy, the oppressed, the orphan, the widow. So, Lord, would you begin to open our eyes as to what to do and how to respond, and may your Spirit just begin to work in us that this would become part of our pure and undefiled religion. Father, forgive us for our hoarding, for our wasting of valuable money and resources on needless things. Give us a perspective, Lord, to have your heart, to think biblically, and to live generously, that the gospel of our Lord Jesus would go out in a powerful and a profound and effective way. And so now, Lord, teach us as we go and show us how to live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.